12. All right, so John chapter 12, verse 12, the triumphal entry. Now, how many, when does, when does the triumphal entry happen in the ministry of Jesus? Toward the beginning, the middle, or the end? The end, right? How many chapters are there in John? 21. Chapter 12, we have the triumphal entry. We're about halfway through the book, and we're getting to the end. So John's gospel focuses very heavily on that last week. Um, I mean, you get chapter chapters 12 through 21 are either, well, really 12 through 20 are the last week. And then 21, we get a little bit beyond that. Um, so it's interesting how much time he's going to spend in Holy Week. Um, now, is that different than the Synoptic Gospels? Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Yeah, in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the uh, triumphal entry is pretty close to the end of those books. Um, so John, remember though, why does John write his gospel? He's filling in details. He's filling in some of the things that the other gospel writers didn't give us. And so uh, we get a fuller picture of things. Okay, so chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. As Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, uh, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, we, we talked a little bit about some of this last time. Um, remember, the palm branch is a symbol of victory, and it was used during the Maccabean Rebellion. Uh, but it was also, you know, the uh, Jerusalem was called the city of palms. You had all kinds of palm trees around. Um, but they're crying out, Hosanna, right? And we talked about that. Save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We talked about all of that, right? But then we get to verse 14. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Why a donkey? Okay, so to fulfill the scriptures. Why, though, would the scriptures give us that versus a war horse or riding behind a chariot or something a little more dignified, <laughs> uh, impressive than a donkey? Okay, part of it is a, it is a show of humility, right? This is not Jesus riding in, trying to impress, okay? There, there's one part. Another part is, what did Solomon ride when he rode into Jerusalem to, uh, to be declared king? It was a donkey. So it also connects him to the Davidic kingdom here is the rightful king who is coming 
Um, so he's coming as king, but he's coming in humility. Okay? <clears throat> and um, we have, you know, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. What's that from? Zechariah. Okay, so if you, if you want, you can go back to Zechariah chapter 9. Um, and uh, you'll find uh, the, the reference here. So Zechariah 9, starting at verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your com- king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble. There you go, that humility, right? And mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Uh, <clears throat> and this is within the context of, well, look at the, if you have the heading there for chapter 9. Judgment on Israel's enemies. That's what Zechariah, uh, the, uh, the, 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 well, that's what the editors of the ESV decided to uh, put at the top of chapter 9. Um, anybody have a different version? in front of you that has a different heading? Just curious. My ESV says the coming king of Zion. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Oh, uh, yeah, no, no. I, I was looking back at the uh, uh, chapter 9, the beginning of that. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then, if you look at the, the heading that follows, right above verse 14, the Lord will... Save his people. So, judgment and salvation. Is that going to happen during Holy Week? Uh huh. Now, who are the enemies? That's where people tend to, tended to get it wrong. They were thinking, who, who are the enemies? The Romans. They're the enemies. Here comes the Messiah. He's going to judge the Romans. Nope. Who are the enemies? Sin, death, and the devil. That's who he comes to bring judgment against. And the Lord will save his people. So within the context of that prophecy from Zechariah surrounding it, we have judgment and we have salvation. And this is exactly what Jesus comes to do. Now, verse 16, it says... His disciples did not understand these things at first. Like, that's just, that should be the shirts that they wear, right? We don't understand. <laughs> Eventually they will, right? Um, but I think it's okay for us also to say, when we don't understand, I don't understand. <laughs> Instead of pretending um, like you do. Um, you know, have you ever been in class and you know you're supposed to know something and you just kind of pretend like you know it? Um, I think a lot of Christians do that sometimes. We feel like we're supposed to know something and so everybody else around us probably already knows it and I don't want to pretend like, I don't want to act like I don't know it. So you pretend like you already know. You already have it figured out. Instead of saying, I don't get it. That's okay. It's okay not to get it. The disciples didn't get it. Okay, Jake? Just a, one of my 
Joseph's favorite t-shirts that he has that I love. It just says, I'm confused. Wait, maybe I'm not. <laughs> That's it great. That That's great. Joyce? sense now yeah yeah and yeah we're like the disciples so 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 many ways so often aren't we <laughs> but sure Yeah, that's one of the wonderful things that we find, like, in the Psalms. There are some of the Psalms that just recite salvation history of how God has rescued his people. And, and it's just a reminder, yeah, God was faithful back then. He's going to be faithful now. Um, you don't understand. They didn't understand in the midst of things either. It's okay. You don't have to understand. Just, just that God's going to take care of things and uh, live by faith. And in the end, it will be how God intends it to be. You know what we called those? Ebenezer. So his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and done to him. So in the midst of it, they're just like living it. And then they look back later, they're like, oh, yeah, okay. We should have seen that. (laughs) All right. Verse 17, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. So they saw Jesus raise Lazarus from death to life, and they're telling everybody. 
You can imagine the excitement in the crowd. Like, here is one who has power over death. And here he comes. They're, they're, they're thrilled about this. There is an excitement in the air. Uh, verse 18, the reason why the crowd went to meet him was they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Um, so the Pharisees are thinking, this is bad. People are trusting in Jesus. We need to stop that. <laughs> when in reality, they should have been celebrating this. They should have been saying, thanks be to God. This is wonderful. Okay, uh, verse 20. Now, what is, note, note what the, the Pharisees say there. The whole what? World. Where else do we see that term in John? Well, some of you were in early service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. Um, we also, if we go back to uh, <clears throat> um, chapter 1, we have that reference to you know, all things being created by him. And uh, him coming to his own. Um, so, you know, here is Jesus for the whole world. But then in verse 20, uh, we get a little fuller understanding of, of this. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Ah, they're not Gentile, or they're not Jewish. Is the Messiah for them? And we know, right? We're like, well, yeah, obviously. It wasn't so obvious to them initially because the Messiah was from the Jews. The Messiah, they assumed then, therefore, was for the Jews, not for all people. Because the nations are our enemies. <laughs> Except Jesus says, no, nah, actually, I have come for the nations as well. Um, it is too light a thing that, I come, that, that the Son of Man should come only for Israel. There are, yeah. Yeah, so there are, um, especially in the dispensational premillennial world of, of Christianity, there are people that believe that there is one way of salvation for those who are not, you know, Jewish by bloodlines, and another for those who are. And so there is this, this understanding that some have that Everyone needs to come to faith in Christ, except the Jews. They don't actually need to because they're good to go simply because they are descendants of Abraham. And according to the promise of Abraham, well, they're good to go. Well, is that what we find in Scripture? No, it's not. Um, and it's, it's, 
it's fueled some really bad practices and some really bad teachings. So if you don't believe your Jewish neighbor needs to know Jesus for salvation, you're not going to share the gospel with them. Well, that's not very loving. (laughs) They need Jesus, just like you do, just like everybody else does. Um, so, yeah, there are, there are some who believe that. Um, and, in, and the New Testament makes that very, 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 very clear that that is not actually um, the case. Okay, so among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida. Uh, now, it's interesting because the name Philip is not a Hebrew name. It's a... Greek name. So maybe Philip, um, maybe he uh, had some some Greek blood in him. Um, maybe um, we don't know for sure, but these Greeks come and talk to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, "Sir, we wish to see Jesus." So here, the world has indeed gone after him. (laughs) People from other nations are now looking and saying, we want Jesus, right? Uh, In a lot of Lutheran pulpits, by the way, if you go behind them, that's what it says. There is a, a plaque or a carving that says, we would see Jesus. Because it's a reminder to the preacher, here's what you're here to do. You're here to give them Jesus. That's your job. Uh, and it's a good, good reminder to have up there. Okay. So, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. So, um, they come, and they say, we want to see Jesus, and um, and Philip goes and tells Andrew, Andrew and Philip go and tell Jesus. Now Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever, loses, or whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So, uh, Jesus begins, Now uh, the hour has come. What hour? Well, the hour for the salvation of the world. Okay, Hour meaning not a specific hour like hour the way we measure hours, but the time, right? The time has come. Now is the time uh, for the Son of Man to be glorified. How is he going to be glorified? When he's raised up on the cross. That's how he will be glorified. Uh, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What is Jesus talking about with this grain of wheat dying and falling to the earth and all of this? Farming 
He is definitely not teaching farming practices. And by the way, if you, uh, if you want to try to take your farming practices from um, Jesus' parables, you're going to do poorly, right? <laughs> A sower went out to sow, and he just threw it everywhere. Uh, nope, this is not Jesus teaching about farming. Um, what is he talking about? He's saying, I'm going to die. But what happens when a grain of wheat dies and falls into the earth? It produces a whole new life. So Jesus is going to die, be buried, and what's going to happen? Ah, here comes the kingdom of God. Here comes uh, what Jesus has been talking about, the the promise that he has made. uh, and, And he will not remain alone. He will bear much fruit. And so those who die to self, and are raised, are going to also bear much fruit. Um, Well, okay. Do you have to die? Yes. Yeah. To bear much fruit, do you have to die? That doesn't, you have to bear much fruit first, don't you? No, you got to die first and then bear much fruit. And that's exactly right. That's what happens in baptism. What happens in baptism? You die. Says who? (laughs) Says God's word. (laughs) That's right. Romans chapter 6 says so. Uh, What happens? You die and you are raised. And now that you are a new creation in Christ, you are able to do good. You are able to produce good fruit because you have been made good. You have been raised with Christ. And now you are able to do that which God would have you do. Now, uh, that's a continuous dying that we have to keep going back to our baptism and keep dying to self and keep being raised in Christ. But what does Jesus say? Whoever loves his life loses it, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Is Jesus teaching you to hate the fact that you're alive? No. What is this all about? He's saying... You got to die to self and live unto me. Hating your life is to hate the old sinful flesh, the old uh, sinful desires. It is to desire to die to that and to live as Christ would have us live. What does it baptize you Yeah. Yeah. That the old Adam should, in, a, in us, should by daily contrition and repentance, what? Be drowned and die. And a new man emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness. So what are we called to? Die to self, live to Christ. Uh, By the way, in scripture, when when oftentimes when when it's speaking of hating and loving, right? That's off-putting language to us, right? Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And we're like, well, God hates Esau? Not really how the language works there. Okay, The way our language works, it has a different connotation than the way it works in Greek or in Hebrew. What it's doing is it's just saying, okay, this, not that. (laughs) Uh, It is is, uh, dialectic negation is what it's called, the fancy term for it. And it's a way of, of saying, you know, to the extreme, all right, he, this thing is good, this thing 
Nope, you don't want to be there, okay? Uh, So verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. All right, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. So, you want to serve Jesus, you got to start with what? Actually following Jesus. Uh, Don't get out in front of him. (laughs) You are not leading Jesus, you are following Jesus. As a pastor, I am not leading Jesus, I am following Jesus. And if I get out in front, I'm in a bad spot. Right? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, so if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Where, where is Jesus? Okay, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also, right? Okay, he has promised to be present in holy baptism, in holy communion, in the word. Well, where Jesus is present for us, we will want to be there, correct? And if we're not putting ourselves where Jesus is present for us, ooh, well, then what are we not doing? We're not following Jesus at that point. Um, so where I am, there will my servant be also. You're going to be where Jesus says he's going to be for you. Yep. I was just thinking, if you go look over, look over there, when you go with that set of doors, mm-hmm. it says, oh, and then our, our motto is to make him a true Yeah, here you will find rest for your souls, strength for the day, and hope for the future through what? Jesus Christ. Why do we gather here? Because Jesus is here for us. Okay. Um, verse, uh, the, the, the follow, finish it off there. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Okay, so um, will you get earthly honor for, for uh, serving Jesus? Maybe. <laughs> Amongst some, right? But largely, no. no. Uh, But God honors it. Now, we don't do it for the sake of trying to be honored anyway, do we? Uh, But Jesus says, but but this is a way of Jesus saying, God sees it, right? He knows. When you sacrifice to follow Jesus, the Lord doesn't forget that. He remembers. He's faithful. Okay. Um, oof. Mm. I don't think I have enough time to really get into verse 27 and following for today. So we're going to stop there for today. Uh, Rick?
I envision uh, Satan trying to uh, affect on Christians is, you know, if if he can't get their their hearts mm-hmm. to go to him, right? Then essentially, you know, he'll take the next step through Wormwood or whatever and say, um, you know, get them to focus on Ephesians two eight nine, but forget Ephesians two ten, mm. so that the multiplication can happen. You know, whatever God has put out there for us to do. Yeah. You know, it's like just ignore that part. Mm. Think about you know yourself. Yeah. It is, yeah, and 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 that's where yeah, dying to self takes our focus off of ourself, doesn't it? And now we need to look to Jesus, and when we look to Jesus, now we see, ah, for God so loved the world. Oh, we got to get outside of ourselves and serve our neighbor, because that's what the Lord would have us do. Um, yeah. Yeah, good, good, uh, good thought. All right, well, let's, uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for the opportunity to study uh, your word and for the promises that are ours in Christ. We thank you that Jesus um, has indeed come uh, to bring judgment upon sin, death, and Satan and to bring salvation for those who look to him in faith. We thank you for calling us to faith and giving us faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that each day we would die to self and live to Christ, uh, that you would produce in us good fruit of faith, uh, that our neighbors would be blessed, and that the world would be blessed uh, through us as you work in us and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.